Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And we are actually wrapping up Fear the Con 10. How's yours been, Jenny? It's been really fantastic. I have not had a single game where I did not feel entirely engaged. And I think that's the first Fear the Con where I've actually felt like that. Because there's always been at least one slot where I am just completely out of it. I'm exhausted. I'm done. Usually it's slot five. But every single game this year, I've just been so into them, even if I don't know the source material for them or or whatever. It's been really great. Yeah, it's been a really good con. Uh, The new venue has also been nice, so that's been cool. Instead of having to stay in a hotel and then travel across town to a venue where the convention proper takes place, we're in a larger Drury than we've been in in previous years, and there was sufficient like ballroom and convention room space to do the whole con here. So it's been a little echoey in some of the rooms, but boy, the sheer convenience factor is hard to beat. And it's significantly less echoey than the convention hall we were in previously. Especially, like The main room especially was super echoey. And in some cases that was okay because you were sort of able to filter out the echo. Uh, I know that in the side rooms of that convention center, you could only really have two games going on at once. And that's not really enough white noise, so to speak. Like I, I know that I was in a Star Trek game uh, one year that was beside a Scooby Thulu game, which if anybody knows um, oh dear, Bob Arns. Then, um, and if they've listened to this podcast, they at least know Bob by uh, reputation. Yeah. Bob also did some very good uh, work this year running the convention. Yeah. So nice little shout out to him and his efforts. It went very smoothly. Mm-hmm. And to Adam Gottfried as well. And, um, and Derek, uh, Knutson. I, I am Okay, good. And to Derek Knutson and um, to all the other organizers. I know that um, Julie was uh, very helpful in getting food for very little money because <laughs> apparently Julie is some sort of Costco expert. So always good to have one of those on hand. Yes. <laughs> that sweet, sweet Costco membership. So I ran into something in the very last slot that kind of harkens back to our conversation with Sarah and wanted to discuss that. I ran into some nasty bleed in my slot six game. Oh dear. Um, bleed is never nice. <laughs> well, sometimes it is nice, but in this particular case, it wasn't. Uh, we were playing a Pugmire game, actually, and we were sent out to do some scouting and report on kind of which groups and stuff we found And one of the other players decided that he was violently racist against cats. And so we came across a bunch of these anthropomorphic cats, and he straight up just killed one on sight. This led me to attack him, and then to have a bit of a... The whole situation just descended into chaos, and I had a little bit of a metagame conversation with him and the GM, and I was like, you know what, I'm tilting here i'm out i'm just gonna stand up and walk away and the gm was like no no sit down we'll fix this and he did an excellent job of doing it but this was one of those times where boy boy the emotions just kind of reached out of the game yeah i've i've had occasional experiences like that uh in con games they have not been terribly frequent i think the games that i played this con were simultaneously some of the least serious and some of the most rewarding and also just they had the least amount of bleed that I've ever had. I I do tend to get very emotional in games personally and I get personally invested in my characters very easily and as I, I did feel emotionally invested I did not feel the need to 
put absolutely everything into every single character. And maybe that's why I didn't burn out so quick this con. But yeah, I I just had a, a very, very pleasant experience with all of them. I think there was like one game that was actually relatively serious. And even then we were still laughing a whole lot. Um, just like metagame stuff and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, um, I actually just finished up Game by Chris Hussey. Chris, Chris has been on the show before, right? Way early. Yeah, uh, actually, no. Chris uh, was on for our fitness episode. Dan Repperger was the one that was on really early. Okay, okay. okay. So we've had a couple of Fear the Boot hosts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was in Chris's... I I was actually in two of Chris's games. I was in his um, Battletech Lite game, uh, which had some very interesting rules changes that made everything very fast. But also, we couldn't hit each other. I think uh, there were... um, Eight mechs aside, and there were three sides. What's eight times three? Twelve? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Twelve. I have also failed to do simple math on the show. Please do not be hard on Jenny. (laughs) Um, So uh, there there were 24 mechs, and I think maybe six shots hit the entire game. Wow, some people need to go back to the range. Yeah, no kidding. We were like, so this is just the, the like the practice range, right? Like this is just us, you know, messing around. But yeah, no, uh, technically Arlie and I won. We we uh, got the uh, Star League tech off the board uh, the most, and we also killed a mech. The only, Ooh. only mech killed in the game, and we did it. Um, Speaking of Arlie and Chris Hussey, I played against the two of them in uh, Magic the Gathering Sealed yesterday, so that was nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, so slot six, I was also in another one of Chris's games called Better Off Undead, which is based off of Better Off Dead. It's a John Cusack movie that I have never actually seen, but now I really it's funny. See. I really want to see it because they kept on making references, and I'm like, how can you fit this much individually hilarious content into a single movie. I I am very excited to find out. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah, and it was basically the movie, but with zombies and skiing and snowmobiles. Um, you can't see this, listeners, but I'm making a puzzled face yeah. at Jenny. And he scratched his chin, puzzledly. So, so those were, were the two of Chris's games that I was in. And then in between those two games today was um, the, the one serious game run by a guy named Kirk. I don't remember his last name, um, but he was a, a, an excellent GM. We were playing a, a system called Delta Green that's sort of like um, X-Files meets Call of Cthulhu. And um, it was an absolute blast. We were like solving this like mystery in a a small town in Missouri that had to do with like um, these terrible drug dealers and and a um, doctor that used to work for uh, an agency called Majestic 12 or something like that. Um, Yeah, the old CIA mind control thing from I think it was like the 60s or 70s or maybe even 80s. I don't know. My my esoteric conspiracy theory history is a little thin. Except that this was set in like he, he said, what day is it? And we were like, you know, uh, June 24th. And he was like, all right, it's June 24th, 2017. <laughs> and um, it, it was a very good time. I played a doctor. The, there, there was a, a little note on my character sheet that said, caustic. I don't think I was quite caustic enough. I should have been a little bit more sarcastic and, and kind of edgy. But um, I, I had a whole lot of fun with that game. I almost died right at the end because I couldn't escape this one 
a terrible tentacle monster that was that had grabbed me and was burning me. But I did manage to escape. We all managed to escape barely with our lives. Um, and we we solved the mystery and we returned the doctor to our agency. That was very nice, very fulfilling. Um, yeah, that was just I. I always forget how much I like X-Files type stuff until I actually do it again. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh yeah, this feels this feels nice. This it's feels a comfortable. Popular game genre for a reason. There's Delta Green, there's uh Unknown Armies has some elements of that. Uh Conspiracy X, um the GURPS Black Ops setting. There's there's a bunch of those games out there. Roughly half of the stuff that Kenneth Hyde has ever written or worked on. <laughs> So that was that was my day. That was, I'm sort of going in a weird order with this. I feel like I should have started with slot one. Nah. I don't even remember what I did in slot one. What did I do in slot one? Oh, yeah, I did Tales from the Loop. Uh, that was done by um, Trigger Happy uh, on the Fear the Boot forums. And Tales from the Loop is like... John Wells. Right? Yes. Beard. Yes. yes. Uh, John Wells. <laughs> I had a game with him yesterday afternoon, actually, but go ahead and finish. Okay. Um, so Tales from the Loop is actually based on an art book that a guy did that sort of has, like, an 80s kid, but, like, a lot of sci-fi aesthetics. And so it, it was very Stranger Things-ish, um, but a little bit less, like, alternate universe horror and more just, like, oh, somebody is trying to turn the entire town into mindless drones and is not doing a very good job. Um, so so that was fun. We, we solved the mystery. It was great. Um, I was playing Rebecca the Bookworm. The Part of the point of Tales from the Loop is that you are all children. And I love systems where you play or, and you get the opportunity to play children really well. And like there are actual mechanics for that. So something interesting. Uh, first of all, I have gamed with your entire family, except for you, this convention. Yes. I have gamed with your mom twice and your dad once. The game that your mother and I were in in slot one was the same kind of thing. We were children up against this insidious, like, supernatural threat. It was like these doppelgangers that were trying to take over the congregation of this church that we started out in Sunday school. <laughs> and it was very Stranger Things as well. Like... We, we escaped from the church. We ran and got a, we like drove a car through the fence and got a, the attention of a cop. And then the cop got the attention of some other cops. And then it was like, and you see the squad cars go by. And then you see the squad cars from the neighboring agencies go by. And then the black SUVs go by. And then the black Humvees go by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like games where you can just, um, sort of jump into a simpler mindset that you used to have. I really, really enjoy gaming as as a kid. It also it's also nice for me because like family wise, I had an amazing childhood, but like at school it was a little rough. And so now I don't necessarily have to be the kid who's, you know, having a rough time at school anymore. I don't have to be that. And I can sort of step out of that and it it feels good. It's a good feel. Well, and the other thing that's great about playing children is children don't sit around and deliberate tactical options for half an hour. Yeah. One of them opens the door <laughs> and you deal with the consequences. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was slot one for strangely similar games for both of us in slot one. And then slot two, I did the Magic the Gathering sealed thing. Um, we actually, we were supposed to have more players. And then, unfortunately, my good friend uh, Willie 
had a wedding and some other, I think, professional stuff that kept him from being able to make it to the con this year. So we were down to just three people and we actually kind of dragged Chris Hussey into it with us. So we had a fourth person. And because we only had four, we switched from draft to sealed and it, it all worked out. We had a lot of fun. Slot three, I was also with John Wells, and he did Action Castle, which was the Parsley game, which is basically he plays the text interpreter for an old, like, Zork-style text adventure, and you go around the table in clockwise order, and each person gets to give one command, and you can't give another one until your turn comes up again. Oh, it was it was really fun. We made it through the first Action Castle, and then we spent the bulk of the session just beating our head against the wall on Action Castle 2. And we did finally make it through when I finally convinced the rest of the group that we had not tried to give the slippers to the old hermit in the cave. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't remember what I did slot two either, and I really should. Why? Oh, so, oh wait, I was, I, was in Tyler's, I was in Tyler's game. I was in my boyfriend's game. And we were playing Traveler, but not Traveler. It was Traveler setting but the fate system. And that was a, a good rollicking, a good rollicking old time. I was playing a hiver, and those are essentially like quadrupedal tentacle monsters who don't actually have vocal cords, so they speak through like a voice box. Um, and I had a, a lovely moment. I, I was sort of like part pilot, part demolition expert. <laughs> and I had a lovely moment where uh, there were these guys trying to get through a blast door with thermite. And, um, <laughs> I basically I, I took uh, a couple grenades out of my bag of nades, which was a, a stunt that I'd chosen, and I I sang anything you can do, I can do better, and I chucked the grenades, <laughs> and that was my favorite part. And then we we had canon later that because of the voice box, I sounded like a Vocaloid singer. <laughs> that that was pretty great. I th that was a fun game. We were trying to find um a corrupted data disk that was essentially taking over a ship and venting all of the oxygen out. So uh, that that was a good time. There was also, oh, uh, Jeff Hosmer played an excellent bard cat. There's a, a race of, of cat people in Traveler. I think they're called Aslans or something, like after the C.S. Lewis, Lewis. Yeah, the C.S. Lewis character. And um, so <laughs> he had a, like a a rapier that was made of light or something or like a holographic rapier that could like pierce through crazy amounts of armor. They had a totally not a lightsaber. Yes, it was absolutely not a lightsaber. Actually, it really wasn't. It was definitely like a pokey weapon, not a slashy weapon. And and there was this one merc or pirate guy that we had such a hard time defeating because he had a rapier too. <laughs> but that was a really fun, fun game. Uh, Tyler... Tyler is Churcher, and Churcher runs Traveler at every Fear of the Con. Churcher does not like the Traveler system very much, except for its uh, vehicle mechanics. So he playing it with Fate instead uh, was a lot more relaxing for him, and a lot more fun. It let him have just more fun with the system. And, and uh, character creation in Fate is also a lot easier. Uh, one of the first times, I, I think the second time that uh, Tyler ran Traveler at Fear of the Con, literally the entire session was character creation. I think Chrissy was actually in that one. Um, and she, they all had a really great time because character creation in Traveler is essentially its own game. But it took the whole four hour slot to make their characters. Um, and, and the skills are ridiculous. And and fate made that it's a lot a easier. Life path system, right? It's a it's a life path system too, right? 
yes, you can die in character creation. It is entirely possible to die in character creation. It's not likely, but you can do it. And Tyler has done it before um, when, when making characters for, for the con. He still has not gotten to play Traveler. So so here's here's my theory. Fear the Con 11, everybody runs nothing but Traveler so that Churcher will have no choice but to finally play Traveler and the curse will be broken. <laughs> that that would be amazing, but I think the gimmick might wear off after about slot four. Yeah. And, yeah, and speaking of slot four, um, that was the second time I played with your mom, only she was running this time. So I, I played in uh, Shannon's Loot the Mansion game, which was great. In fact, that one actually generated enough interesting quotes that I sort of live tweeted it. So <laughs> my Twitter handle is at time underscore spike. Just go and look for the FTCX hashtag and you'll see the stuff that I live tweeted out of her game. Um, the, the one that seemed to be getting the most traction was a quote, they they locked us in darkness, their doors are forfeit. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, that's lovely. Also, um, there was a herd of Blink Pomeranians following one of the player characters around for a good chunk of the game. Mom told me a story about those Blink Pomeranians. She felt the need to tell me about the mirror room. And I would like for you to tell the mirror room story from your point of view. <laughs> okay, so one of the rooms in this this thing, we were supposed to find like these 15 perfect representations of these different concepts. So we're we're in this room looking around for one of these. This turned out to have a bunch of orchestra in, implements and a tuning uh, pitch pipe in there. So that was like the perfect sound. So we're in this room. There's all these mirrors on the wall. And out of these mirrors come evil doppelgangers of us. And one of the guys in the party had gotten this herd of blink Pomeranians following him around. And they'd helped us out with some spiders earlier and stuff. And the... Blink Pomeranians got into the room with the evil copying mirrors. It does not take a genius to figure out what happened next. <laughs> the, the, the herd of good Blink Pomeranians and the herd of evil Blink Pomeranians encountered each other in short order. And there was, your, I believe your mother's exact words were, if you have dog allergies, this would be a good time to leave the room. <laughs> Fur flew everywhere until we got that mirror smashed and they all just kind of vanished. But yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, she basically just like described this dog fight. I've already it's not gruesome or detailed at all. It was just like it, it was super cartoony. It was I, I want you to picture like the cloud with the limbs sticking out of it. Like you see in like a Warner Brothers cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and like occasionally just fur flying up in the air, and that was pretty much what was going on here. And the occasional entire dog being like yeah. lifted up oh, yeah. in like an arc. Um, that's pretty much how most of my mom's games go. They they generally tend towards the the cartoony and and the the heavily exaggerated cartoony combat. And that's why I like to get into at least one of them a year because they're a wonderful. I don't even want to say palate cleanser. There's something that I want in the palate of the con. You know, there, there. It's, it's nice to get some of that lighter stuff in because some of the stuff that gets run here is good, but it's grim and dark. Yeah, my slot three game. I'm actually a little hesitant to talk about because it, the point was for it to be over the top gruesome uh, and dark and like to the point of parody. But 
Um, my mom was actually in that game, and I could tell she was feeling a little uncomfortable. Fortunately, okay, so the 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 game I was in 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 slot three was Fear the Con Nine. Anybody who doesn't actually follow like all the Fear the Con stuff, no, will not know. Fear the Con did a Windows. It went straight from eight to ten. Yes, um, Fear Fear the Con Nine was was skipped, and it, we had DrewCon instead. But it's not really a Fear the Con. So in in this universe, when Fear the Con Eight ended. The, the there was a tear, a rip in reality that just basically turned everything into a Mad Max wasteland um, hexscape. Like there were tears in the sky that monsters were falling out of, and most of those monsters were pod faded podcasters. Oh, no. <laughs> we had to kill Chuck and Lonnie from Dragons Landing in, <laughs> and they turned into terrible dragons that were like breathing fire and acid and everything. So I'm not going to go into great detail, but. We all played the Fear the Boot Hosts. I think I just hit the mic. I'm sorry about that. We all played the Fear the Boot Hosts. Um, I played Beth. I was the chain gun, flamethrower, hand grenade wielding mom friend. <laughs> I mean, that's really not much of a stretch if you've ever met Beth. No, not really. Not at all. Um, like, those were her two skills. It was basically just like weapons, mom friend. And, um, and like actual mom, because Beth is a mom. Um, and my mom played Johnny G, who is a lawyer. And the point of Johnny G in this game was to bring law and order to this wasteland, this terrible lawless wasteland that Brodor's Guar Legion slaves had essentially taken over and made terrible. <laughs> and mom actually got to put a restraining order on Brodor, <laughs> who was played by Brodor's brother. <laughs> and apparently Brodor actually gave his brother instructions on how to be him. <laughs> and they were basically just like, remove your verbal filter. <laughs> okay, so in slot five, I participated in the playtest for a board game that's in development called Apocalypse Road. It's a combat racing game. It's really fun. Apparently, it's based around a existing stock car racing game. Formula. No, Thunder Road or something like that, I want to say. Apparently, the previous playtesters that the developers had had up to this point had been people that were mostly interested in just trying to play it as a race, and they would occasionally shoot opportunistically. Well... <laughs> I was in this game, and Jeb Brack was in this game. So the lead was flying from the starting line. I also want to go on the record. I won this game. So, yes, I, I beat out an entire table of other players. So that was kind of cool. Um, but it's a really fun game. I'm actually very much looking forward to seeing what their final product looks like. Because... Um, it, it played really... Once you got the hang of the mechanics, there was a decent amount of strategy, but you also kind of got a bit of a feeling of just how fast these cars were going because of the way the, the movement worked. And I think there's a great board game in there and I can't wait to see the final version. Yeah, I think I've heard of that one. Is that the one that's sort of like based off of Mad Max? Kind of, I think. Okay. Yeah, I like the new Mad Max. I've not seen any of the previous Mad Maxes, but I, I really, really like Mad Max Fury Road. So if it's, if it's the best of the series. Absolutely. Um, If it's anything like that, then I, I I want to try that. 
Well, this this wasn't like out racing through the desert or something and doing car chases like Fury Road was. This is more like more like the old video game Death Track or the professional auto dueling circuits in Car Wars. Okay, I don't know what either of those things are. <laughs> uh, NASCAR plus machine guns. Sweet. Yeah, it was fun. And then six was the game that I referenced at the beginning of the episode where it was Pugmire and I had some bleed and the GM did a nice job of kind of pulling everything back on track. And that turned out pretty well in the end. I felt a little bit bad about kind of what an extreme emotional reaction I had. It surprised me a little bit, but it was what it was. Yeah, I mean, don't don't feel bad about that. Like, uh, I'm not going to get political. <laughs> Look, my uh, l- let me let me just go this far, okay? My character was a very like justice and fairness minded law and order type that was handed to me. I mean, that's the kind of character I play, anyways. But this one had even more of it on there, and specifically, the he was like an ex watchman kind of guy who, um, your dogs in this. So like an authority figure had told him to go arrest a cat that had been found um, stealing food from a baker. The baker didn't want to pursue it, and the cat was found to be starving, but this authority figure persisted. He knocked the authority figure out and left the watch. So when this other player character just straight up like attacked, and we thought at the time killed this cat guard without so much as a warning as soon as we saw them... That really set me and the character off, and it went to a place that it could have very easily wound up with some dead player characters in the whole game falling apart. Yeah. That kind of situation can be uncomfortable. I think at that point, the bleed is not inherently wrong. It just is. And it sounds like the GM dealt with it really well. He did. And and like he helped de-escalate everything. Really very well. Really excellently. And that's so, so important when you are dealing with any kind of character that has any kind of bias um, that could lead to violence. So yeah, I, I think, I, I, I agree with you. It could have gone a lot worse. Well, and it almost did. It was about a round away from going worse. You're, you're... We had already, I had already attacked the other character and done like 11 points of damage to him. And I think he had like 16 hit points or something. Your dad's character actually tackled me. And that was kind of when the GM was able to get his hands on the levers of the situation. My dad was in Pugmire? I didn't, I didn't know about this. I didn't know my dad was in Pugmire. Like I said, you're the only member of your family that I haven't gamed with this con. And I'm now podcasting with you. Have we ever gamed together? No, I don't think we have. Like, we've talked a lot at Fear of the Con, like a fair amount. Yep. I don't think we've gamed together yet. No, I don't think so. We need to remedy this next con. We need to... Yeah, I think we do. Next year. Um, Or I'll I'll see about um, the uh, save against fear. I know that mom wants to go to that. I'm not going to be able to go. I won't have the time off work. Back when I was working for Barnes & Noble, I was probably going to be able to get the time free, but I didn't have the money. Now I have the money and I don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, pick pick one of two. Yeah. <laughs> time or money to go to save against fear. Pick one. <laughs> Guess what? You still don't have both. Yeah. <laughs> that sound was me face palming. Yes. <laughs> so anything else that was particularly noteworthy about the con that you want to talk about? It grew a lot. There were so many people and so many babies. I count three babies this year. 
and it's very clearly a growing community. And I think most of the people here, I didn't recognize. Yeah, there was a, a woman named Kate that was actually in three of my games this convention, <laughs> and um, I'd never seen her before. I, get, I guess she's new. So um, to everybody who might be hearing this, who this was their first time at the con, or they were at DrewCon last year and they came back for this one, and a lot of us regulars didn't see you, welcome to the community. We're glad to have you here. Um, one of the things that booters have always prided ourselves on going way back years and years is that we are welcoming, we are friendly, and we want you to join us. Yes, please. Um, we try very, very hard to be as inclusive and accessible as possible. Um, and I think this can this particular venue is the best for that because we didn't have to travel from place to place. The, I feel like this hotel is more like physically accessible because the the hallways are wider. The rooms are. I think. I think everything by my count and measurement is is wheelchair accessible at the very least. Um, and I think that was important for at least one person who is here, right? Uh, I believe so. I know that it's it's important for me and my parents because we all have like minor mobi mobility issues. Uh, my dad, more major mobility issues these days. Um, so, so the ability to actually physically get around is very important to us. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, I legit have fluff in my throat from the beard right now. Um, <laughs> I, I know that I've eaten so many plasticky fibers. Um, that doesn't cause you problems down the line. I I, I hope I, not. I picked a whole bunch of them out of like my mouth and teeth and stuff from mine before the elastic got stretched out and it started creeping down my face. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, uh, we will have pictures of the beards that will go up with us. You've probably seen them on our individual feeds anyways. Um, we promised absurd and we delivered. <laughs> and your wife delivered specifically. Your wife did an amazing job with my beard. And Grant's wife delivered on his, too. They were all ridiculous, and they were all differently ridiculous, which was very cool. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we all got totally different beards. And they all they, they all feel like our personalities. They, it just, you know, manifested in, in, in polyester hair. <laughs> yeah, mine, um, mine has a bunch of, like, hidden symbolism in it that you won't get from the, uh, the actual pictures, probably, because it's not high-res enough. So... There is a, you can probably see in some of the pictures, there's a Saving the Game Dice Cross logo in the middle of it. There is a die from a previous Fear the Con that I had more than one of up towards the top. And then there's a bunch of magic cards sticking out of the side. What you probably won't be able to see from the uh, photos is that seven of the eight cards are something to do with like life gain or healing spells. And the last one is called Mortal Obstinacy. And this was to help a guy fight off cancer. So I felt like that was appropriate. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we should, after we're done recording this, we should get like a side-by-side -side of just the beards like laid out um, so that we can get more detail into them. Because I know that I took one picture that got really good detail of the side of the beard and not the other side. Um, also, I feel really bad because I had big glitter that I was going to bring, and it was like halfway between glitter and sequin. And I forgot to bring it. Well, fortunately, my wife had you covered on that. We've got, I think, three different colors of glitter in your beard. There's blue, green, and silver, and then a bunch of different colored, like, you know, jewels and rhinestones and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Like, before I saw the beard in person, I was concerned. After I saw the beard in person, all concerns gone. <laughs> I was literally... Also, Peter knows this. The re- mo- Most of the rest of the convention doesn't. I was washing my face after taking my beard off last night, and the cloth came away green. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here like... Checking Facebook on my computer, like after slot six, and I get this random message from Jenny, like part of my face is green from the beard. <laughs> it, it wasn't like intensely green. It wasn't like it wasn't even close to like Spock light green. It was just like a vague green tinge that I sort of kind of noticed, and then became really apparent on the face cloth. I'm like, I hope that washes out. <laughs> well, it looks like it did because you don't look too green from here, so. I was mostly talking about it washing out of the face cloth because as somebody who used to work in as a hotel staff member, any like damage to any of our towels was like catastrophic because we were always low on towels. Always. I have bad news for you. That dye is designed to tie-dye clothing with. It is not going to wash out. Oh, no. Oh, no. I hope they aren't too angry. Well, uh, another thing about this hotel, the staff and, like, everything seems to be a lot better stocked. And, like, everyone seems very well treated here. Much better than than the place I used to work. Yeah, the staff seems, like, actively happy. They're, They're... They're all friendly. It seems like they're very low on stress. It's uh, it's a very diverse staff, which is always nice to see. The ladies who were uh, always stalking the the breakfast bar area always like they were constantly asking me, "Where's the beard? Are you gonna? Where's the green beard? Are you gonna put the green beard on again?" I'm like, "I'll get there. I gotta eat first. I don't want to get food in the beard." <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, it was, it was funny on day one when my beard had not started to stretch away from my face. I I was wearing it in the elevator and one of the male staff was looking at me and I could tell I, I should have said something to him and I just didn't think of anything fast enough before he got out of the elevator. But he was like clearly uncomfortable with this beard that I was wearing. My tagline, I, I have said this multiple times during this weekend, I did it for charity. <laughs> And that would have been perfect. It was just, I could have pointed at it and just been like, it's for charity, dude. Yeah. And I usually, I usually got a few laughs out of that. Like there were a lot of like really super not geeky looking families here this weekend. And like the kids would be like looking and and just like smiling and laughing a little bit. And the parents would be like, oh, and I'd be like, I did it for charity. We raised $8,000 to treat a guy's cancer. And they'd be like, oh, (laughs) Oh, you're saving somebody's life. That completely recontextualizes this. We just thought you were weird. And it's like, well, you weren't wrong, but there's a reason why we're this weird. Um, by the way, this was announced at Wing Night. I, so we should probably like get this out there. Pat is actually going to be able to get the surgery to treat the thing, which is very, very, very good. And we are so, so happy about that. Yeah, that is that is absolutely fantastic news. So, you know, obviously um, our best wishes, our prayers, and our ridiculous beards again, if necessary, are with the Roper family. Yeah, um, I think uh, Adam Gottfried said uh, in slot six that we had raised a total over the course of this convention, something along the lines of $1,300, something like that. Yeah, 12 or 1300 bucks just here at the convention over the last two days. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of that was from the pizza that Bob also sort of donated. And he was basically like, like, he ordered pizza 
out, out like with his own money, with his own personal money for the entire convention every every lunch. Uh, and it was like a dollar a slice. But I know a lot of people who just like chucked in a 20 and then took a couple slices. And like all of the money uh, left over from the pizza went straight to Pat, like directly to Pat. Do not pass go. Unfortunately, don't collect $200. But <laughs> yeah, it was like, here, Pat, have some money because he was here. Yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, let's see. What else do we want to cover here? You got anything else, Jenny? Or um, Yeah. Uh, I think another reason why this convention, like it's it's unfortunate for other reasons, but um, I think one of the reasons why I, I felt so so much more energized by this convention is that I wasn't here for the entire week beforehand because usually we arrive like Sunday night, Monday morning, and um, then we do tourism for you know the week beforehand, and that is it's really fun. But it's exhausting as heck. And so by the time we actually get to the convention, I'm like, dog tired. I'm just I'm just pretty much done. And I'm like, but I have to game. <laughs> um, I, I did unfortunately miss the, the tourism. I've heard that uh, a lot of kids got to go to the uh, city museum and they had fun there. So so that's good. I, I love the city museum. I, I really hope to get to go again at some point. Yeah, I actually got down here later than I usually do this year, too, although not as dramatically later as you do. Normally, I I live about five hours away from St. Louis by car, and normally that means that I take the Thursday before the con proper off from work, and I leave sometime between 11 and 1 o'clock, which gets me down here by 6 p.m. at the latest. Wing night usually starts at about 7 so I'll have been, you know, checked in, found my roommate, you know, maybe caught up with some people and then wing night starts. Yeah, not this time. I had uh, some training that I had to do for work and that went 15 minutes past the window that it was supposed to be in. So I'm just sitting here listening to this guy talk about this stuff and it was mostly review from stuff that we had already covered and I'm just staring at my watch like two minutes three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. Let us out of this. And so he finally wrapped up and he's like, that's it. We're done. And I looked at my coworkers. I was like, see you Wednesday and walk straight out the door. Yeah. Um, we were also later than anticipated. We were supposed to arrive around, um, I think four and we got in around like seven because our flight was delayed two hours because apparently the plane had like a fatal flaw or a potentially fatal flaw. So they had to give us a plane from Memphis and the flight from Memphis was about two hours. So thank you, Delta, for nothing. (laughs) Or, well, thank you, Delta, for catching the issue and not letting us die. But Delta, why? (laughs) Why a plane all the way from Memphis, Delta? Why? And then we were on the tarmac for another, I think, it felt like about 45 minutes because there was another plane that was delayed. So we were like seventh or sixth in queue. And so we were just like sitting there waiting. The guy was literally just like going around in circles for a little bit until he stopped and he was like, there's only three planes left to go, guys. We can stick it a little bit longer. We all want to go. I want to go. You want to go. We can stick it out. Wayne wants to go. <laughs> yeah, it was um a, a bit of a an interesting time there. I will say LaGuardia Airport 
at least the the terminal we were in is not as bad as as people say um there was a very nice salad bar uh and there w- were tablets like for people to use everywhere it was very nice a very nice airport to stay some five hours in because it was already a three-hour layover and then another two hours on top of that so yeah my five-hour drive doesn't seem quite so bad i was at least <laughs> moving almost the entire time and the times i wasn't it was because i stopped to eat or go to the bathroom yeah, I mean, usually for us, it's, uh, we usually drive down and it's usually a good, um, something like two days. We, we, we always say three days and then we suddenly were, were, you know, in Indianapolis and we're like, oh, we're in Indianapolis already. We can go, you know, the extra <laughs> little while. Speaking of Indianapolis, <laughs> my, my good friend and fellow booter, Christian Clemen, was my roommate this year, and he's sitting here watching us record this. So you want to say hi, Christian? Hello, community. It is Christian. Yep, that's him. <laughs> and I think with that, we have reached the end of this particular special post Fear the Con X or Fear the Con 10, however you want to say it, uh, report of saving the game. So, um, From all of us, uh, take it easy, and we will catch you next time. Good night, guys. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilore.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.